0: And then I go down to verse 15, and I notice it's a fountain of gardens, a well of living waters, so it's, it's running water. It's not a stagnant pool that's going to get infected with, uh, with germs and disease. It's living water. And look where it's coming from, from Lebanon. Now, Lebanon, being away up on the hill country in the north, got the rains and the snow, and such a supply would endure. This should be a great assurance to you today. And Paul said it in Philippians 1 again, he that hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And Welcome again to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Golliher. We're on the air to bring you the message of God's Word. Today again, we're looking at Song of Solomon, chapter 4. We're looking at that beautiful passage where the church is called A Garden Enclosed. Poetical language, beautiful words, but a world of meaning to the heart of the Christian. We have Alan McGill to sing today, No One Ever Cared For Me like Jesus. And to commence with, we have a few thoughts on Romans chapter 2, verse 16, where the Apostle Paul said, "...in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel." I wonder, can you take it in, what Paul meant by stating here, "...according to my gospel." We learn, of course, that Paul did not leave out the day of judgment for all men when he presented the way of salvation by a provided righteousness. Rather, we see that this answers how a sinner shall stand on that day and be justified. Simply put, if a gospel does not prepare men to stand on the judgment day, it is no gospel at all. Can it be good news that something will help us through this world, but not enable us to stand before God to give account of the deeds done in the body? Yes, we need to be saved, not only for time, but for eternity. We need to be sure we have a a gospel that will put us in good standing when we stand before the judge of all the earth. Next question. Is there any doubt in verse 17 that Paul is addressing Jews in this section of the book of Romans? Well, let's read verse 17. Behold, thou art called a Jew and restest in the law and makest thy boast of God. Well, these people, at least, they thought themselves to be Jews nationally. But the question is, are they so spiritually? Now, we know that a Jew is not just one that has the bloodline of Abraham or Jewish blood in his veins, but a true Jew is one who is that, unc- that circumcision of the heart that is born of the Spirit and is brought to faith in the Lord Jesus as Lord and Savior. And so it's not enough just to be of a particular nationality, but it is vital that we be saved by God's grace. Now, this issue of ethnicity, this issue of a man's nationality, it seems to be all the more important in the world today. We see borders that are being put up. We see people with their racial hatred against other nations, some concluding that they are more Uh, superior than others? This is all false. The Bible, the gospel, is the great leveler. It doesn't matter who your father and mother is, you're a sinner in the sight of God, and you need to be born of the Spirit and brought into God's family by the grace of the gospel. And I invite you today to cease trusting in the flesh, cease trusting in your own nationality or your heritage. But trust in the gospel, the gospel that will prepare you to stand before God and his judgment. And now we turn to Alan McGill singing, No One Ever Cared For Me Like Jesus.
1: I would love to tell you what I think of Jesus, since I found in him a friend so strong and true. I would tell you how he changed my life completely. He did something that no other friend could do. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. There's no other friend so kind as he. No one else could take the sin and darkness from me. Oh, how much he cared for me. All my life was full of sin when Jesus found me all my heart was full of misery and woe jesus placed his strong and loving arms about me and he led me in the way i ought to go every day comes to me with new no assurance, more and more I understand his words of love, but I'll never know just why he came to save me, till someday I see his blessed face above ever cared for me. Like Jesus, there's no other friend so kind as he no.
0: Back to Song of Solomon chapter 4. The area we're going to look at today is verse 12 through 16, a very short section of this book. And as you see here, it deals with this analogy of the Lord's church as a garden. It says in verse 12, A garden enclosed is my sister, my spouse. Now, once you get to chapter 8, you'll notice that the word spouse is repeated over and over. It's found in verse 8, verse 10, and here again in verse 12. And you will see that this is now Solomon, rejoicing in his bride. But what an analogy to liken his bride to a garden enclosed. Now, we have many beautiful gardens in this part of the world. Indeed, here on the coast in British Columbia, uh, we take great pride in the uh, beauty of gardens. We have Minter Gardens just outside Chilliwack, which unfortunately is now closing to the public anyway. Uh, but, again, that's a, a wonderful garden and a wonderful, beautiful spot to visit. Van Dusen Garden, just off Oak Street in Vancouver, uh, a charmer for uh, to be in the city so close to the proximity of, of the hustle and the bustle of city life. And then there's the world-famous garden of Bouchard Gardens over on Vancouver Island. The most problem with it, it's not cheap anymore. You need to rob a bank almost to get in and out of the butchard gardens but having been there once it's certainly a beautiful sight and it is a garden to dream about now gardens in this part of the world are relatively easy because we get the climate the rainfall that makes it relatively easy but the garden in a, an eastern country, especially in the Mediterranean world, is not so easy. And it takes a, a, a wonderful supply of water. And we're going to learn here in this passage that uh, there's a lot of emphasis upon the supply of water. And so, you'll see that, number one, this is an enclosed garden. That's the first thing that comes up in verse 12 it is a garden with some kind of a fence or a wall right around it. And as a picture of the church, that's very, very helpful, because the church is separated from the world. And just as the gardener says, well, I'm not going to plant flowers, and I'm not going to do all this work unless everything's well protected. And the Lord has ordained his church to be separate from the world, where he will plant believers— and bring in his people, and call them to worship him in the safety and the seclusion of his church. So there's something there to think about. Now, the wall of the garden is for secrecy, and Christians to the Lord are his hidden ones. And he has brought us out of the world, placed us in the church, likened here to a garden— and we are hidden, protected, and blessed by the Lord in the secure environment of his church. And so, the wall of the garden is for safety. And there ought to be no safer place for the Christian than in the Lord's church. It should be the place we feel at home. Uh, we don't have the, the swearing, the blasphemy, the wickedness of the world— We should not have the temptations of the wicked one. We should be in the place where the Lord is amongst us, and he is our helper. Now, the wall garden was for the the gardener's glory. That's what the church is. The church is for the Lord's glory. We're not here just to please men, and you're not here today because— it's the nicest thing in the world and the easiest thing in the world to do. Sometimes coming to church is, is not easy. It takes discipline, it takes effort, it takes planning, and for some, uh, it costs. And uh, to get here to church is not easy. But we are here in the Lord's church for his own glory. And the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He takes pl- pleasure in your voice, in your singing. In your devotion, as you express your faith, even your amen to the preaching. We're not the kind of church where we get a lot of loud amens. Some are no problem. I have no problem with them. But I would like to think that as we go through God's word, that there are many amens of the heart. And you're saying, Lord, this is true. I love this. This agrees with with my desire to to serve God. And as we in that inner even quiet way, we, we agree and we express our delight in the Lord, and, as, and the Lord takes pleasure in his people. Now the battle of this age—and I'm still focusing on this enclosed garden with some kind of a fence or wall around it—the battle of this age is to keep that separation from the world. Uh, there were times when the church was under direct attack from all kinds of heresies and all kinds of opposition, when this Bible was denied as rubbish, when uh, men said, Well, you know, religion is just its just a, a leftover little trail of man's cave days, and the modern man has no interest in religion or worship. But there's a different kind of attack upon the church today— it's like the thief coming in with his slippers on, and he is subtly saying, well, we're interested in religion. We want to hear what you have to say. But they want to bring the world and the values and its agendas right into the church. And if you talk to any Bible preacher, ta- pastor, you, you, will, you will find this is the battle of the age that we are about. And parents, this is going to be the most difficult area of raising your children. Uh, There are things that are absolutely black and white, and you can say to your son or daughter, that's right, that's wrong. And they ought to see it if they want to see it at all. But when it comes to keeping the world out of the church, and keeping the world the church as a place separate for the Lord's glory alone, that gets so obscured, skewed, and there is a very subtle agenda that we have difficulty opposing. Now, we ought not to be fearful of the future of the Lord's church. The Lord has said, I'm going to build my church. I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And uh, we need to reckon today that the future of the church is glorious. It's as glorious as the promises of God. Now, today we come back to this analogy. And I want to take sometime looking at this garden as a picture of the Lord's church. Now, you could almost run anywhere with this analogy. I could go into my backyard and walk around and take this idea and that idea, and I could say, well, let's preach that. But no, we've got to discipline ourselves here. What we've got to do is go down these verses, 12 to 16, and we've got to take out of the analogy the details that are listed here, and work on them till we get those lessons that concern you and me as worshipers in the Lord's church and God's pleasure in this. Now, as I go down these verses, I see four things. There's the inner supply of the church. It talks there in verse 12 about, a spring shut up a fountain. And verse 15, a fountain of gardens, a well of living waters, and streams from Lebanon. So there's the inner supply of the garden. You will see the incense of the garden in all the plants and the perfume and the uh, aroma that is going up. If you look here at verse 13, you will see the pomegranates, the pleasant fruits, the camphire, the spikenard, and all of those things. So there's the incense of the church— Then we look at the inspiration of the church in verse 16. Awake, O north wind, and thou come thou south. And there's the awakening of the church. So to get my alliteration right, we'll make it inspiration. So we have the inner supply, we have the incense of the church, and we have the inspiration. And then in the very last line of verse 16, you have the invitation of the church. Let my beloved come into his garden. And isn't that exactly what we want to do today as we spread this communion table to remember the death of our Lord? We want to say, Lord, you come and sit with us. We, we put out this invitation that you come and dwell with us. Now, the inner supply of this garden... And it appears that there is. uh, they they located this garden right at a spring. They built the walls around it so the water is, is, is bubbling up on the inside of the garden. And this is absolutely vital in a hot Mediterranean world where to grow a garden is extremely difficult unless you've got enough water everything needs to be watered plentifully and regularly. And, of course, water is the key to life. Uh, Without water, plants just don't grow nor do well. Now, how do we preach this? What do we see here as Christians looking at Song of Solomon, chapter 4, verse 12, the analogy of the church as a garden, and inside the garden is this abundant supply of water. How do we take that image, that picture, and bring it to where we are at as Christians in the local church of the Lord Jesus? What is this water? Well, I'm going to do what just about every commentator I've read has done, and apply this water to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Lord Jesus promised that he would give water to Christians. The woman at the well came for water, and the Lord said to her, that if you had asked of me, I would have given you water, of which if you drink, you'll never thirst again. Then there was a day when the Lord Jesus stood outside the temple area, and he said, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And then in that precious passage—that's John 7, by the way—in that precious passage, you have this comment, this he said, referring to the river of water that will flow out of the believer's belly. (laughs) Now, that seems to be somewhat awkward language, but that's the scriptural language. And here is this ministry of the Spirit. And if we're going to be growing Christians, if we're going to be victorious in the midst of the heat of the world, we need this constant supply of the Spirit. Now, that's why I wanted us to read Philippians 1, verse 19. Could we go back to that verse right now and just see the significance of that verse in uh, Philippians 1, 19? Now, Paul was in a tough spot. He was in bonds. He was in prison. His was, future was uncertain. And he says, For this I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer, this is how I'm going to get help, through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Now when you read that in context of Song of Solomon 4 and those little plants and those flowers needing water, gasping for water, and there's the gardener with the, the, the peals of water dousing water all around them plentifully you've got the secret of life. You've got the inner supply. And you and I today, we've got to rejoice that there is an inner supply to our souls. There is the supply of the Spirit. Now, that's New Testament language. This is not an invention of mine. I want to bring you to this text, and here was the hope of the apostle in a difficult spot, the supply of the Spirit. And surely every Christian's got to learn to lean and learn to have and enjoy the supply of the Spirit, to meet hardship, to have life, and to have growth. Uh, We started out this year with that theme or that text, Grow in Grace and in the Knowledge of the Lord Jesus. We want to grow. How do you grow in a desert? You need A great supply of water for the plant and the Christian needs the supply of the Spirit would you pray for this would you say Lord this is where I want to be I want to be in the Lord's Church and I want to be well watered I I need that supply of the Spirit now there's a personal supply that each and every individual Christian needs in our own walk with God There's also the corporate supply, because we're in the church. Philippians 1 was written to Christians in a church. These were church Christians. Always remember that the epistles were church epistles. They were not written to single Christians hiving off on their own. And the local church needs the supply of the Spirit. How is this church going to grow? How is this church going to be effective in its ministry? How are we going to survive in the desert of these days of apostasy all around us? We need the supply of the Spirit, and that is the power of God. Now, it's an enduring supply, because I notice here—and we're going to go back now to Song of Solomon 4.12—I notice here that it's a spring shut-up A fountain sealed. Now, I don't pretend to understand all of that language, but I I get the idea that this water is guarded. It's not for the enemy or the wild beast to come and mess up with. It is protected water. And if I get the picture right, that it's on the inside of the walls. And even if something, somebody scales the walls and gets into that garden, the water is still shut up. It's sealed. It's protected. It's an enduring supply. And then I go down to verse 15, and I notice it's a fountain of gardens, a well of living waters. So it's, it's running water. It's not a stagnant pool that's going to get infected with, uh, with germs and disease. It's living water, and look where it's coming from, from Lebanon. Now, Lebanon, being away up on the hill country in the north, got the rains and the snow, and such a supply would endure. This should be a great assurance to you today. And Paul said it in Philippians 1 again, He that hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. We can take heart today that the supply of the Spirit will not run out. It will not be cut off. We will be given grace for grace just as we need it. We're going to get living grace today. We get worshiping grace in God's house. We get witnessing grace in the world. And one day when we need it, we'll get grace to die, dying grace. And the Lord has promised that he will never leave us nor forsake us, but he will be with us right to the end. Well, I do hope that you've been blessed and encouraged through the program here today. This is Ian Golliher, and I pray that you will be blessed through the Lord's word. Isidore Sofer is the son of a Hebrew Christian. Little Isidore was given a part to recite on a children's program, the 23rd Psalm. As he faced a large congregation, he got frightened. He was a courageous boy, however, and he began to recite, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Here he stopped. He tried to recall the next verse, but couldn't. After an embarrassing moment, he said, This will be enough what a precious spiritual lesson. When the Lord is our shepherd, what else could we want? I hope that you'll take this to heart. The Lord is my shepherd. We need no more. And of course, Christ is sufficient for salvation. He is sufficient for the comfort of our hearts, and he is sufficient for that judgment day, when we shall stand before God, because the Apostle Paul said, who shall lay any charge to God's elect? It is Christ that died. So rejoice in the gospel today, and in this, that Christ is enough. Stay tuned for these final closing announcements. Welcome to our program today, and you are listening to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. I truly hope that you're blessed each time that you tune into our programs on this station. And my prayer is that God will use his word to bring precious souls to personal faith in the gospel. We want this to be God's means to building his church and blessing his people. Our burden is to get the gospel out according to the Great Commission, where the Lord has sent his disciples to go into all the world and preach the gospel. So we don't get too political or too hung up and pressing trends, but seek to preach Christ in all his fullness for men in all their need. Our message is based on the great reformation sola doctrines of salvation by Christ alone, by faith alone, by grace alone, based on the Bible alone, for the glory of God alone. And you can understand that radio ministry is very much a ministry of faith as we air programs not knowing who is listening. We therefore need your feedback and comments. You can find us on Facebook at Let the Bible Speak Canada and there leave us a comment. You can go to our website, ltbs.ca, and send us an email. Or, probably best of all, go to our phone number, 604 897 2040, and I will personally take your call. And of course, if you have pastoral needs, I will gladly talk and pray with you. So please get in touch, and we need to know that you're listening and truly benefiting from this ministry on your station at this time. So please go to our church website, ltbs.ca, for all the information, and may the Lord bless you. Until the next time, we let the Bible speak.